All right, here we go on Sunday morning in Las Vegas. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. After a month off, we are back live in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio in Las Vegas, provided no more holidays or botched surgeries. We'll be here every Sunday morning at 8 on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM and 1340 AM flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. Joining me on the show after his long drive in from Pahrump, our social media director, Spencer The Wiz Ostrovsky. Uh, yeah, that Wiz has his own theme music and well-deserves. Also here, a regular part of the show, producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing a number of shows at Lotus Broadcasting, also serves as the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network and the UNLV football pre- pre-game show host on our sister station ESPN Radio Las Vegas. The show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Adeline Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap brought to you by title sponsor Residential Bank Corp, whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own. Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details and to get information on all the home financing options available in the state of Nevada. On Tap, the Vegas Golden Knights stopped their longest skid of the season. Derek Hanby is no longer a Las Vegas ace. The UNLV running Rebels seem to be who we thought they were. Uh, where will veteran QBs Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady end up? Well, uh, we'll find that out later on in the show today. NFL playoffs and full swing divisional playoff games. Two more today, two yesterday. We will talk about those as well. And we will be joined in just moments by a good friend and regular radio sports personality here in Las Vegas, Chris Wynn, Michigan native. And uh, Chris and I got to spend some time uh, this week at a Las Vegas Golden Knights game where the Detroit Red Wings were in town. We'll talk about that. It was really cool and epic for us. That's what's on tap if you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own. Choose a company you can trust. Residential Bank Corp. Funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 once again for details on your home financing options in the state of Nevada. And uh, guys, first of all, man, I want to say it's great to be back uh, what the hell, man? I feel like I was kind of in the twilight zone of hell for the last couple of weeks. Spencer, first and foremost, I know you're a little bit under the weather. Good thing uh, Magnum and I have you in the break room so you don't pass along whatever you have to us. But how you feeling and how you been? Uh, I've been great, Brian. Thanks for having me on. It's good to see you back. It feels weird. It felt so weird last Sunday not to be on air. So it's always a blessing to be back. So very happy to be here, even if I am just a few steps away in the break room from you. Yeah, you're, you're not too far. And of course, uh, Mags, what's going on, man? Good to good to see you back. The hair is growing. God, I'm always jealous of Magnum's hair. It's either on his face or on his head, but hair growing back. And uh, man, it's been a busy couple of weeks uh, in sports and some amazing things since we've been on the air last so many things have happened yeah yeah a lot lots gone on I mean I think I think the last time we were on the air the Raiders still realistically had a shot at the playoffs so uh that that's how long ago it was uh since then uh a lot a lot's gone on right the Golden Knights went on a long home losing streak right and they got back on the right track last night before heading back out on the road um 
You know, UNLV basketball was, I think, 11-1 and one the last time we yeah. did a show. And, uh, well, that's not the case. And how about a, you know, a guy like DeMar Hamlin? Almost saw a guy. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. One of the most big, almost at least from our vantage point, looked like maybe one of the biggest tragedies in NFL history. Turned out to be what's a good story. A lot of money has been raised for good causes because of that. And more awareness on um, just how dangerous the National Football League is, Chris. Yeah, you know, it's 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 not funny, right? Like, I... I I, I sometimes I, I I use that as like a crutch, right? Oh, it's funny, but like it's not funny. But you you and I had messaged and and, and uh, you know you told me that when you were a kid you were at the Chuck Hughes game. Uh, for those who don't know, Chuck Hughes died on the football field yep. for Detroit Lions. I was at the Dennis Bird game, uh, season ticket holder with my father. Well, I wasn't season. My dad and uncles were season ticket holders for the Jets, so we would go to pretty much every game. And I was at that game. Um, you know, very different outcomes. For, for, for Bird, who unfortunately later passed away in yep. a car accident, uh, kid driving the wrong way on the highway, unfortunately took the life of Dennis Bird. Um, but, you know, those things those things will always sit with you as a sports fan, whether you were watching on television or in our cases we were at those particular games. For Bills and Bengals fans, it's, it's, it's a moment of, of near tragedy that will forever unite those two fan bases and will we'll certainly play a role, I would imagine, in today's game, the emotion that those two teams will, will share when they step on the football field. Um, you know, what what doesn't get talked about enough is the the amazing work of the, the athletic trainers who are unbelievably qualified to do their jobs yep. uh, for both the Bengals and the Buffalo Bills, who probably saved DeMar Hamlin's life. Um, you know, it, it reminds me a couple of years ago, I was watching a soccer match, Denmark. I can't remember who they were playing and Christian Erickson, who, who somehow is still playing professional football or soccer today. He suffered cardiac arrest on the field. And if not for the quick action of, of the people who were there doing their job, Christian Erickson probably passes away. Um, you know, it inspired a nation and inspired a team. And it's one of those things that it's amazing that it doesn't happen more often in the right. NFL um, because it happens a lot in Little League Baseball. For those who actually prefer to to read actual true studies and, and not believe conspiracy theories, um, you know, and, it, and it, to me, I, I, I think one of the things that maybe as a society that should come out of this is we take a real hard look at why we don't have more AEDs and paramedics at high school sporting events because if this happens at a high school football game it's un it's unfortunately probably a very likely a very different outcome no you're right and and you know one of the things I you know with with this and you mentioned Demar Hamlin and the fact I was at the Chuck Hughes game uh, I was a young man really young but one of the first first memories and I don't remember much about it other than I remember as a kid it was really cold outside and we kept standing up and I kept asking my dad why are we standing and you know he tried to explain it to me back then and on the way home he kind of told me that somebody had died one of the players had died at the game but Chris I was also at the Mike Utley game where he was paralyzed and I was at the game where Red Reggie Brown uh, of the Detroit Lions, second-year player, was on his way to being a great linebacker in the National Football League out of USC in his second season, like the third game. He gets paralyzed. Luckily, he came back from that, and he was able to walk again. But it, it is a very violent sport. And typically, the, the injury that happened to Mar Hamlin, you see with baseball players, where they kind of get hit with a baseball in the chest because it has to be right at the exact microsecond yeah. for that to happen. And it did. And it was when you're watching it and just seeing 
him fall down like that, it was like, oh my God. And um, just so happy that that has turned out positively. And people speculating, will he play again or will he not? Please leave that subject alone for another time. Let the guy recover. And remember, it was nine minutes that he lay on that turf while they were trying to resuscitate him. And the fact that he is fully functional, his brain is working perfectly, that alone is a godsend. And that should yeah. be all that's talked about at this point in time. Yeah, it, it's it's seeing the, the outpouring of love for Demar Hamlin, um, you could. Uh, the, the, I'll, I'll mention that the, uh, the the Pagulas, Kim and Terry, they are the owners of the Buffalo Bills. For those who don't know, their daughter, uh, she plays on the professional tennis tour. She is wearing a number three on her uniform as she's playing in the Australian Open. So the outpouring of love for for Demar Hamlin is, it has been special. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's one of those things that honestly, if he ever plays again. It's it's irrelevant. What's most important is Demar Hamlin is alive. He's twenty four years old. and He's got his life in front of him. Yeah, now. that I is mean, a I godsend. Mean, man. And, and and you know, I I feel like because of this event, from from everything I've seen about Demar Hamlin, he's a special young yeah. man already. Uh, from Western Pennsylvania, he he's done so much for his community. There are things in life bigger than football for Demar Hamlin. Yeah. And when when I when I see him tweet or or I see the the notes that were coming from his doctor like it, it it was electric seeing how he he responded to the event you know like the first thing he asked was did we win you know like 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 that's that's it, it's one of those moments where you're like wow this guy this guy's a, a special human being yeah. and i feel like there's there's bigger things for demar hamlin than football and and it's hard to not get emotional right when when you see that um, you know, you and I are both parents. I can only imagine what his parents oh were going God. through that night. Um, you know, maybe even at the game, if they're from Western Pennsylvania, uh, you know, Cincinnati, really not that far from Western PA. So um, I can only imagine the, the, the emotion, you know, when, when, when you're a player and you go every single day, you're, you're on that field with a guy and all of a sudden something like that happens. But for him to, to, to be in the situation he's in today, I think it's it shows a, a great uh, we, we we owe a great deal of gratitude to the paramedics to the medical community to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center yeah. who who really did an amazing job because like, like I said if this event happens not on an NFL field there, there, there there's a possibility that that Demar Hamlin's no oh, longer probably with a us real and, good and, and you know I think I think that that speaks volumes to the job that these people did I mean the fact that as incredible as those people were at their job, the fact that he still almost was in a situation where, where, where you know, it was was the ultimate tragedy. It, it, it's one of those moments where you really reflect on the on the jobs that these people do, and you know, I, I, it's, I'm going to give a shout out. I have a lot of people I know who've worked in the medical community. I know your father is a physician. Um, I have a, a an ex sister in law who's a physician. I know people who who are EMTs. And those are incredible human hey, beings. Hey, Chris, I just went through an unbelievable yeah, situation yeah. myself by a botched surgery that I will find out if I can talk about later on on the air. Obviously, right now I'm kind of tight-lipped about yeah. it. But the medical staff at Sunrise Hospital that helped me out, they said that the pain that I was in from a botched surgery rivaled that of getting shot by a bullet. I can't so imagine. I can, well, but, now, but those, I can those now. people all, all deserve a tremendous yes, amount of credit. And are, the empathy that they showed during that in event was great. But, again, what I what – I, what, this event, what I, what I take from this, and I think the world takes from this, is it humanized 
football and to realize these players that are looked at as gladiators under helmets that we don't really see and we all get up for them, we love those big explosive hits, we realize they're all human beings and you see DeMar Hamlin and you get to learn about a young man and like you said, a special young man that now we realize many of these guys in the league are special, they're intelligent, good people and they're people and that's what the bottom line well, is, is humanized the, it. That is the, the bottom line, you know, and I, and I think for fans, you, you and I have a special a special perspective on this because we get to talk to these, you know, whether whether it's Raider players or Golden Knight players or members of the Las Vegas Aces, right? We 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 have the ability to to talk to these guys sometimes off the record and and we get to to see the human side yep. uh, of these players as a kid or or as as a fan. Sometimes you really don't get a perspective. Fortunately, we've come a long way in, in, in media where fans now get to see the human side of, of these athletes. Yep. But when we were kids, you know, we, we would turn the television on on Sunday and we would watch a football yep. game and we didn't get to see the, the, the human aspect. It's all about of this. winning or losing until you see something like this and you just realize. And then you, you know, realize it's really not that yeah, important. No, and not, not whatsoever. And the idiots in Cincinnati, and I don't mean to say that in a bad way, but I've heard a lot of people complaining about the game being in Buffalo saying we were ahead. Set. It, what, the first quarter wasn't over. How many games end in the first quarter? Stop it. The, the Bills had a better record. You had to end that game, and it is what it is. And we'll talk about that going forward. Let's get into this. And uh, Spencer, go ahead and hit nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Well, it did start here, and uh, we are going to also uh, be joined during the segment at Chris Wynn. I don't know if he's in or not um, yet on the show, but definitely I want to bring my, my buddy Chris Wynn, who uh, you hear all over Las Vegas radio. You probably can't get away from a week without hearing him on some show, and there's a reason for that. Chris uh, loves what he does and spends a lot of time looking at sports like the rest of us and, uh, and lives in breeze it like we all do. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights snapped a three-game home losing streak for their last five at home, beating the Washington Capitals uh, granted without Alex Ovechkin which is a big loss whenever that guy's not on the ice, but the Vegas Golden Knights are without a lot of their key players as well so think it's a fair game. They win 6-2 to two going away. Every period they scored a goal and every period they scored the first goal in um, and, and took, took a nice lead early on and um, you know, I, I, I want to say that you know I think credit goes to Bruce Cassidy because I think he'd finally had enough is enough. And we saw after the Red Wings game, I think everyone was a little shocked when a friend of ours, Alan Snell of LVSportsBiz.com, asked the question about Jack Eichel. And Bruce Cassidy uh, didn't hold anything back and let him know, let let the team know and the world know that he expects more of Jack Eichel. That that's supposed to be one of the premier players in this team. They went out and got him, gave away a lot. If you see what Alex Tuck and others are doing in Buffalo, they gave away a lot to get this guy. And they're expecting more of me started the season on fire. I don't think it's a matter of him hurting. And last night, even though they won six to two, he was pointless. Uh, that's going to have to change. This team is going to need Jack Eichel as long as, as well as getting some of the players that are out healthy to make any kind of a run. And Bill Foley's made it very clear he expects this team to win a Stanley Cup this year. That might be a lofty goal, but. What we saw early on in the season, we didn't think it was so lofty. And last night after the game, uh, Bruce uh, Bruce Cassidy basically credited this win and the play of the Golden Knights to effort. Well, in a while, I thought our, our kind of dedication to reloading 
That's why we frustrated Washington. They've got some skilled guys. That's what Detroit, I thought, did a good job with us. They got over us in a hurry, and now we're frustrated. We want to make plays, and all of a sudden, you know, they're going the other way. I thought, you know, we turned the page on that game and did, you know, did a much better job of what we've been doing on the road a lot. Uh, and at home here at the start of the year, we had really good games against Toronto and Winnipeg, etc. But that was the difference tonight. Our, our commitment to reloading, um, and that's all effort. Effort plays. Now, if, if the Ozone win your battles, that's effort. That execution, you saw it. You know, on the rush, we made some good plays. Someone in, some didn't. But now we're, you know, Ronnie's goal it was Petro to Bogan to Petro. To, or sorry, Rose's goal was a breakout execution. We're all in the right spot, tape to tape. The other night, you know, we fumbled a few of those. Tonight, we got through there and made them. So that's a part of it as well. Yeah, you know, the first goal was scored by Byron Froze. That was kind of cool. Fourth line, his first goal of the season, and um, a big goal, and really something the Vegas Golden Knights needed to get on the board. Chris, we watched the game together last night. All of us, I got Chris and Chris. I'll start with Chris Wynn to bring him aboard. He's been sitting patiently for a while. We watched the game sitting together last night, and we both said right off the get-go, this team needs to come out, show some energy, have some effort, and they've got to score the first goal in this game. And Chris, I don't think we got the words out of our mouths before uh, Byron Froze did ended up scoring the first goal of the game. No question about it, Brian. Good to join you, of course, Mags as well as Wiz on a Sunday morning. No question about it. Like like even even Ryan Ryan uh, Wallace talked about it in the pregame uh, that this team needed to come out from the jump and get a goal immediately and be the team that was initiating the action. That's exactly what happened. The Vegas Golden Knights got it done. And uh, jumped right off on the from the beginning, and that was it was a big key. Look, 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 this is a team that has struggled to score without question throughout the, the homestand, which was you know an extended seven game homestand where they were just you know uh, just struggling to get offense at all, and uh, it was impressive to see they were able to do that. And uh, and uh, look, I mean, make no mistake about it. The likes of Paul Cotter and uh, and and other guys that were able to, to uh, actually light the lamp is got to be a positive feeling for Bruce Cassidy and this team going forward, knowing that they can get offense from from places that uh, that they haven't been able to get it from, and now they go on a, now they actually have to go on the road, and uh, this is you know a situation where they've been actually relatively successful. From an offensive standpoint, and we'll see if they can uh, continue this as they uh, head towards the All Star break. No question. Um, I, it was it was huge before they go on the road. Huge to stop the snide. And you know, Darcy Kemper, no joke in goal. He's a former Stanley Cup champion with the Colorado Avalanche, many seasons with uh, Arizona, and he got removed from the net after the fourth goal. And I thought, so you know, wasn't necessarily his fault. It's just it was the intensity and the energy that the Golden Knights were bringing. And of course, you know. Uh, Bruce Cassidy been mixing up the lines, the second line. Now he went back to the old misfit line. They really weren't very productive, though. March or so, I thought, was maybe the best player on the ice last night. This guy was all over the place. We saw that great pass he made on, on one of the goals, which was incredible. But, you know, you mentioned Paul Cotter, and Mags talked about it after the game in the press conference. He talked to uh, Bruce Cassidy about that line, you know, Nick, that Nicholas Wass centers and Paul Cotter and Keegan Colasar on either side of him. What a production they did. Six points between the three of them. Two goals for Cotter, one goal and two assists for Nicholas Waugh, and an assist for Keegan Colasar. And this is Magnum. Uh, after the game, he had a, he talked to uh, Bruce Cassidy. This is, what, this is the way that went. Sports Las Vegas. Bruce, the other night you talked about drivers and passengers.
Rangers. Seemed like the wild line was a driver tonight. Just speak about their performance and if your message got through to those guys. Well, listen, our guys all responded. We had a good practice yesterday. We tried to drill down on some things we need to do better no matter who we played and then focus a little bit on what Washington did. Um, video today was a little about back in time, short of our identity earlier in the year, having to be against Washington, some of it. I thought they, they, they responded well to that, working over pucks, uh, managing pucks, taking care of the puck. Uh, and our defense led us in transition plays, right? So obviously that that's what we want to get back to every night. And uh, their line was a big part. Like Nick scores a goal for Marshy. I mean, they're in between a shift, but still that and then Paul <coughs> I thought Paul was real heavy on the puck against a heavy team uh, you know got hit hard responded well kept playing um, so yeah I mean that line all year has been good for us that they'll have a down game or two when Will's been on it Paul has some of Will's attributes right so um, if he can add some scoring while Will's out and we can play him against anybody start him anywhere you know, but what I mean by that is ozone d-zone neutral zone back to where we were with that line and we really want that it's something we've been actively trying to build all year so good for Paul for stepping in and doing the job and you know, Cole has been real consistent to finish that line like, might not have the numbers but he's there every night doing his job uh, bit of a like a like a Mc, you know Nabber right McNabb he's just unsung goes to work every day plays hard so I'm happy to see that again and that, that's how good this team is. Afterwards, I got a chance to speak with um, Nicholas Wa after the game. And, uh, you know, just centering that line that really was productive and as much energy as anyone on the ice. And every time those three stepped on the ice, physicality was there. Cotter, Colasar, vi- physical players, and they're able to put the puck in the net. And they really seem to have a cohesive unit. And I think he found something with this third line with the three of them. But afterwards, I talked to Nicholas Wa after the game. Spot tonight, big big start. It seemed like you guys started with so much more energy than maybe the last couple of games. Um, yeah, I think we wanted to bounce back. Obviously, um, we're happy with the homestand, so um, I think we wanted to come back. And I think we, we had a first goal and second goal there, so uh, we felt good about ourselves. How big is that to get those first couple of goals right off the get-go in the first period? Does it get, kind of put a little jump in everybody's step? Yeah, it does. Um, I think obviously when you get a goal, you. You feel good, um, but I think overall we played really good tonight. We were making plays all over the ice. Um, I think last couple of games we were gripping the stick a little, a little too much, so maybe that's why we didn't score as many goals. But tonight it looks like we were making plays all over the ice. So um, we have a good team when we trust uh, ourselves. Uh, we can make uh, some damage there. What's the difference? I mean, a good you've had a good couple of practices now, but leading into this game, obviously the last couple of games disappointing. But what do you think is the difference? Um, I think we gotta we gotta be more uh, winning more battles. I think it, it starts there. But after that, I think um, we, we just gotta believe in ourselves. Um, I think we came out strong, and and like I said, we were making plays. So that's that's the way we gotta play every night. Um, not gripping the stick and and thinking about um, like what's gonna happen if we don't score. I think we we just gotta have more net presence and make more plays. Logan Thompson, not a lot of opportunities tonight, but when he did, he came up big, and I think the goals that went past him, nobody would have stopped. But how important is, it, is him, is your last line of defense, to play the way he did tonight? Well, that's huge. Um, obviously, it was uh, it was 5 nothing at some point, but I, big thanks to him because um, I think in the second, at some point, they were pushing pretty hard. So um, 
if they get one or two there, um, maybe it changes the game. So, um, but he's been good all year, obviously uh, for us. So. Uh, we're really uh, happy to, to have him for sure. Finally, injury is a big part of hockey. That's just part of it. Plug and play. You guys have really had to go with a lot of different line changes. How important it is to get more guys healthy, especially as you head towards the poor season? Well, obviously, we there's a lot of good bodies that are out right now. So uh, some guys got to step up. Um, I think some guys uh, did, obviously, tonight. But um, we just got to keep going that way, uh, next man in. And, um, we feel good about ourselves now. So let's try to go on the road and, and win some games here. Thank you. Chris, they go on the road where they've had a lot of success this year. They've been one of the best road teams in the NHL. But how big do you think it was for them to get a win like that, getting ready to head on the road for four games this week on the road before they head into the All-Star break? Well, it was it was important because they hadn't played well in, in the last three games. Um, in fact, for four of the, of the last, excluding last night, the last four home games, they had only led for a total of three minutes. And that was the last three minutes against Florida. Um, so obviously, for for this team, they play very different when they when they have the lead. I think a lot of teams do. Um, you know, I was at obviously at the Edmonton game. They were down two nothing in the first two minutes of the game. Um, you know, the LA game, they went down early and they had to fight and claw, and they got they they, they couldn't do anything against the one three one that the Kings were were doing that night. Um, so getting out front and and, and playing with a lead. Is, is imperative for this Golden Knights team. And and last night, you know what? I Look, the Capitals, they are a wounded animal. No Ovechkin, no John Carlson. It didn't matter, right? Like, like the Golden Knights don't care. They're not going to have, they shouldn't have ever had any sympathy for any team that comes in here well, look injured. look at them. They're Mark yeah. Stone, Shea so, Theodore, they're missing some big so, stars themselves. So I, I, I don't want to hear Capital fans with the excuse, oh, well, we didn't have Ovechkin or John Carlson. Look, the Golden Knights are playing without without like a bunch of their guys too. So you're not going to get any sympathy from Knight fans about that. And the Golden Knights came in and they and they they, they blew the doors off the Washington Capitals. Darcy Kemper was, was pulled, as you mentioned. Uh, Charlie Lindgren gave up a goal, I think, on his second shot. Yeah. So... Uh, look, it, that was what I want to see from the Golden Knights. Fast, free-flowing hockey. Um, you know, they didn't get bogged down much. I still want to see less passing on odd man rushes. I want to see more shooting. And I, I, I think, you know, Paul Cotter certainly not going to win the Calder Trophy, right? Like, he's not going to win Rookie of the Year. But he is a spark plug. Gets better every game, too. Yeah, and and and... Personality-wise, the way he plays the game, he is a spark plug. He, he's got, I think, eight goals on the season now. Yep. This is a guy who I don't think anybody had penciled in to be on the roster. I know when I went through my roster or my my lines back in September when, when camp opened, Paul Cotter, to me, was a guy who was going to be in Henderson. He was an AHL guy. He made a little comment that uh, about that. I heard him talking to someone, and it was off the record. I don't think it was well. He was talking to the reporter, but they they weren't recording him. And he said uh, he's not going back down again. No, and, and I mean and, I know, don't see him going back down. That's again. the attitude yep. that you need to have. And and you know what? I was wrong. I will gladly admit that I was wrong. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not ashamed to admit that I was wrong. But I love that Paul Cotter every every time he steps on the ice proves people like me wrong. Yep. And, um, look, this team has had injuries, but guys are getting healthy. Brett Howden is, is, is going to be coming back soon, hopefully. Shea Theodore, hopefully coming back soon. And there's going to be competition for spots. 
guys who who have quote unquote been passengers might lose their spot in the lineup. And I, I don't think it matters how many games you've played in the NHL. Bruce Cassidy doesn't care about that. Bruce Cassidy's job well, is to a guy win that, a, guy that, a guy that I was going to say, and I, and I talked to Chris about it last night, I was talking to Mark Anderson, who's going to be on the show with us next week, of uh, um, you know the Associated Press, and both of them felt the same way, that you know Phil Kessel's hanging on because of all the injuries. You hate to ruin the streak, and, 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 I, and I love the guy. As a person, he's a really good guy, but again, you've got to be productive, and you can't look at streaks. This team needs to win, and when everyone's healthy again, it's going to be tough to get certain people in the lineup, well, and, and I think and he made one of them. That's 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 a name, you know. I mean, look, there, there there's guys who are. I mean, we saw Jake Lecision, yeah, who who for as many games as he had played, unproductive in the Golden Knights. At some point, you got to put the puck in the net. Yep. Um, guys like Jonas Rombierg, they are on the road trip now. They're going to play, but how how secure is their spot when when this team gets healthy? I don't know. Not great. I mean, it was nice to see Rombierg. And and Byron Froze get a get a goal or an assist and a goal last night, the first point of the season for for Ron Bierg. Um, look, I I like the guy. He he's a fun guy to talk to. He's a really nice kid, but you got to produce. It's all about productivity. And, and I I think, you know, when you get to the to the NHL, you look at Paul Cotter and you look at some of the other guys who who stepped up, and one guy's consistently producing, and that's Paul Cotter and his spot. He's not going to give it up. You know, he's gotten a taste of of of. Of the sushi bar. Well, another and, guy and, like Paul Cotter, like Michael Amadio. For a minute, he went down, and it's like, you know, I don't see him ever leaving the Vegas Golden Knights again as long as he's healthy, and I think yeah, Paul Cotter is the same type I, of player. I, Amadio is a guy who took advantage of his opportunities. Yep. Uh, he scored a goal last night. Yep. Um, you know, it, it, it's funny because I think a lot of it is like Chandler Stevenson a couple of years ago. This was a guy who, who the Golden Knights traded for. They gave up a fifth-round pick to get Chandler Stevenson. And this year, there was a campaign for him to get into the All-Star game. Uh, he's a guy who who was buried in Washington, yeah. had a had an opportunity, saw the opportunity, took advantage of it, and now he's playing first-line minutes for, for a playoff team. So I think guys respond differently to opportunity. Paul Cotter is a guy who, 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 a lot like Chandler Stevenson, saw the opportunity, took advantage of it, and he's not going to go quietly now. Um, look, William Carrier is a guy who, who another guy. Right, every time Will Carrier scores a goal this year, from here on out, he will be adding to a career high. We've got what thirty something games left. Yeah. He's, he's got to get got... back on the ice, get healthy, and yeah. Uh, so, so certain guys take advantage of opportunities. Other guys, they they let the opportunities slip by. And certain guys, they they you know I'll keep using the word passengers. Bruce Cassidy was very adamant about that two nights ago. There were no passengers last night. Yeah, nobody. No, I I agree and with you. What I love about Bruce Cassidy is. He will criticize, but he's not above giving praise. And it's something I've beaten the drum on for years. Brady McNabb, to me, is maybe the most underrated player on the team. Love him. He is the epitome of professional. He is the epitome of a team guy. You know, he told me something a couple weeks ago, and, and it kind of stuck with me. When he broke in the league, he was an offensive guy. He realized very quickly that he wasn't going to stick in the NHL as an offensive guy because he just wasn't offensive enough so he changed his style of play he became what we see today lockdown penalty killer big hits this is a guy who realized if he wanted to stay in the nhl 
He had to change the way he played. Be a defenseman, and you know, yeah. I, and, I, and I'll say I agree with you 100. percent Without Braden McNabb is a staple of this team and a guy that if they're going to make any kind of run, he's one guy you don't want to see on the injury list. They count on him, and you ask the goaltenders uh, who they love on the team, he'll be one of the first names well, that come and, out of and their the mouth. And the young guys, the young kids, you know, Caden Korzak has, has played with him. Every time I talk to a young guy about Brandon McNabb, what they tell me is he is an amazing communicator. He is a coach on the ice. Yeah. Those are Bruce Cassidy's words. He's a coach. He may be a coach when on the it's ice. all said and done. You know, it, it's funny because he 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 he's kind of quiet, but Brian, he is one of the most intellectually sound hockey players I've ever spoken to. The guy is is, is brilliant. He understands the game. He's able to slow it down, like mentally and and when you watch him now. He he did have a mistimed hit against Nashville, right where where he got tossed. But when you watch him deliver a hit, ninety nine percent of the time it's clean, it's methodical, and it 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 gets the crowd going. This is a guy who knows how to play the game very well. I agree. Since Revo left, I think the guy that people fear the most on the Vegas Golden Knights isn't a Will Carrier. I, isn't I, a would, Keegan make, I would make the case it's that. Him. that I would still prefer to get Reeves in the corner than McNabb in yeah. open ice. Yeah, McNabb, McNabb lays people out. He's great. Uh, Going to move on from this. They, they've got four games this week. Starting today, they'll be in Arizona at 5 o'clock. And, uh, you know, they've got, they're have got they not going to be back at T-Mobile for three weeks. Someone made the comment after the game about that to Bruce Cassidy as he was exiting. Um, the only Vegas Golden Knight to make the All-Star team, uh, a guy that you talk about taking advantage of his opportunities, 19 wins on the season now. Logan Thompson started 31 games, played in 32, 19 wins, two shutouts, save percentage of uh, of 92.5, and uh, he earned it. It's, it what, a, what a thrill for this guy in his first year planted as the Vegas Golden Knights' primary goaltender, and he is in the All-Star game. Uh, argument for a couple of the guys, like you mentioned, Chris, Chris Chandler Stevenson, but um, it's going to be interesting, and again, three weeks before we see the Vegas Golden Knights back in home ice. Spencer, we're running way behind, so go ahead and hit fact this. Facts this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. It's a fact. Eight-year WNBA veteran Dierica Hamby was traded Saturday from the Las Vegas Aces to the Los Angeles Sparks after the deal Hamby accused the Aces of unprofessional and unethical treatment. This came well after she signed a two-year extension with the Aces in June, and during the Aces Championship Parade in June, she had announced that she was pregnant with intentions to play this season, which starts in May, and... uh, um, you know, yesterday after the trade announcement, she went on Instagram and said, quote, I was told that I was a question mark and it was said that I said I would get pregnant again and there was a concern for my level of commitment to the team. The Instagram post went on saying in part, being traded is part of the business. Being lied to, bullied, manipulated, and discriminated against is not. I have had my character and work ethic attacked. I was promised things to entice me to sign my contract extension that were not followed through on. I was accused of signing my extension, knowingly pregnant. This is false. The unprofessional and unethical way I have been treated has been traumatizing. We fought for provisions that would finally support and protect player parents. This cannot be used against me. The WNB declined to comment, but the players union did call for an investigation. I'm not going to go too deep into this, but it really, the whole thing disturbed the hell out of me. You leave and then you say all this after the fact. Um, 
we'll find out what the truth is overall. Yes, come on. You know that the women, they, they have the opportunity to get pregnant. They're at that age where that's going to happen to certain players. And, you know, to say that she would get pregnant again and she's saying she never said that. Right now it's he said, she said, or she said, she said. We're going to find out in the future. I didn't like the whole thing. I like De'Erica Hamby. I think she's a very talented basketball player. But I hate when I see a player exit a team with this kind of a bad taste in their mouth. It just didn't bode well for me. And um, I think, uh, you know, a lot more will come out in this on the near future. But again, a bad look, a bad taste, and especially on the heels of Las Vegas's first professional championship, which was the WNBA title that the Aces won this past season. Really didn't like it, and, you know, I heard she was traded. Again, that happens in professional sports, but I was really shocked that all this was going on because what I've seen, at least from, you know, being being around the Las Vegas Aces, I haven't seen this at all. It seems like the girls are really happy. It seems the one thing everyone's unhappy about, and this is a subject for a completely different show, is the amount of money they're paid. And again, it's a sore subject with me simply because you cannot compare the WNBA to the NBA. The NBA generates billions of dollars in revenue and every year since the WNBA has been in existence, they have lost money. So, when you're making $200,000 playing for the WNBA, maybe it doesn't sound like a lot of money to you, but you know, to the average person out there, it's a lot of money and the season is really, really short. So, I'm sorry, ladies, it's a bad subject. It leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. Again, it's based on generated revenue. Look at that Look at the profitability of the NBA and the lack of profitability of the WNBA, and that conversation should be completely wiped out. We'll talk more about that later. Um, Let's get into this, and I want to be real quick, guys, uh, so we can get to the NFL, which is a big thing coming up a little bit later today. Uh, Two more playoff games. But yesterday... The running Rebels lost to Fresno State 76-63. to And after starting 10-0 and and then 11-1, and have now lost six of their last seven games. It was a bad loss against one of the teams that was predicted to finish very close to or at the bottom of the Mountain West Conference here, under 500 team. Uh, Chris Wynn, I'll go back out to you. You know, we watched this team at the beginning of the season. And I'm going to say straight out again, I love Kevin Kruger as a person, and I think he has a good basketball knowledge and IQ. I'm starting to believe this job is over his head, number one. And number two is, if this team continues to play like this, and and I said at the beginning of the show, at the top of the show, that they kind of are who we thought they were, and we're seeing that right now uh, tremendously. Because I remember at the beginning of the season, as they were winning those games, I'm like, it's being done with smoke and mirrors. I just don't see it. I don't see a team leader. I see E.J. Harkless uh, uh, kind of rise to be the best player on this team, and that is not saying much, because when you look at E.J. Harkless of this year, and look at their best player of last year, Bryce Hamilton. Bryce Hamilton is at least a G League talent NBA player. There is not a player on this team that's going to sniff the G League, and that's a problem, Chris. Well, no doubt about it, Brian. You were someone who was absolutely justified in your skepticism throughout uh, the early part of the season, given that uh, the cupcake schedule that they faced. And look, you, myself, Mags, all of us have talked about, you know, look, uh, we need to see the shoe drop. We need to see them actually go out and beat somebody respectable, right? When it comes to the schedule and it just has happened given that uh, they haven't faced anybody that's been tough. And so they get into the schedule and uh, you talked about EJ Harkless, right? He is probably the marquee guy, right? I love Rodriguez. I love some of the other pieces they have on this team, obviously Keyshawn Gilbert and some others. But E.J. Harkless was the leading scorer 
last night against Fresno State, and he shot three of 13 from the field and finished with 15 points, and they lost to, as you pointed out, one of the worst teams in the Mountain West Conference. And that's not – I'm not overstating it. I'm not, you know, uh, disrespecting Fresno State in any way. That's just the facts of the matter. They are not one of the best teams in the conference. And it was uh, disheartening, to say the least, to see what they did against Fresno State and to see what they've done in the last seven games plus in the conference. It's been really tough. And this is a, a rubber meets the road kind of moment for Kevin Kruger and this UNLV basketball team because they uh, – look, I get that, you, that everybody wants to believe that Kevin could be like his father, right? And Kevin could be a coach that is uh, that can meet the moment in this situation. But like myself and Mags talked about uh, at, at, uh, numerous times, and I've talked about with you, Brian, uh, this is too big a job for Kevin Kruger out of the gate. He should have taken a job at a smaller school, uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe a uh, Missouri Valley Conference school, or a school where, you know, you're, you're not exactly, you know, uh, at a point where you have to, you're, where, you, where you're supposed to win right out of the gate. That's, that's what should have happened. UNLV is too big a job for Kevin right out of the gate. And uh, I think, unfortunately, it's kind of showing right now. And uh, it, it, it could be uh, tough sledding, let's put it that way, as, uh, as they continue to go through the Mountain West Conference schedule. Yeah, I agree. The next two games at home, they got Wyoming coming up uh, this week. Uh, maybe the worst team in the Mountain West Conference as of right now, record-wise they are. That's Tuesday night. And then they've got UNR coming to town on Saturday night. And, you know, I thought they were going to be better than UNR, but I'll tell you right now, UNR is surprisingly a decent team. I think they've already got 15 wins under their belt. I think 15 and 5 or something like that. That is not going to be an easy win. And I'll tell you what, you know, if they go in and, and, and they start thinking, well, Wyoming's really bad, they better not look at anybody's record anymore and just look at themselves in the mirror and play hard but the one thing this team is lacking and I have said it all season they are lacking a leader on the floor to lead them in scoring to go out night in and night out and put the ball on the floor take the put the t this team on their back I don't see anybody with that ability and last year Bryce Hamilton was one guy that had that ability the team as a whole wasn't great but Bryce Hamilton any night could go off and his ability alone could keep them in a game there is nobody on this UNLV basket ball team right now that has that kind of ability and that could be a big problem going forward well what's even more concerning about that is if you if you watch or listen to the game yesterday the lack of defensive uh changes right you, you look at the numbers of the guys from fresno and their shooting percentages and then what they shot yesterday the lack of adjustments defensively is is highly concerning uh look i I won't say whether or not Kevin Kruger should have taken this job because, look, I think given the opportunity, we all probably would take jobs that maybe maybe are are above our, you know, if the pay is there. And look for for if anyone has ambition, right? They're they're gonna they're gonna certainly take a a, a job like this. But the the problem is for for a guy like Kevin Kruger is he 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 didn't really cut his teeth anywhere, you know, and and that's that's not his fault. That's the fault of the person who hired him, Desiree Reed Francois, because she went for the easy, the quick fix. She didn't want to conduct a search. And that's not on Kevin Kruger. That's on her. No doubt. And 
If there's anything I've learned about Eric Harper in the last few months, he's not a patient man. He's not putting Which up. Which is a, what UNLV needs yes, right he, now. He's not going to put up with, I mean, because we saw it with Marcus Arroyo. I, I was firmly in the camp of Marcus Arroyo deserved another season. Clearly, Eric Harper did not believe that Marcus Arroyo deserved another season. And Eric Harper, look, I don't know if Barry Odom's going to work out, but it seems like it's an ambitious hire. Bobby Petrino, all right, he, he didn't even make it to the spring. Again, to, he is who we thought he yeah, was. But he, he didn't make it to spring practice. No. But Eric Harper was was totally on board with Bobby Petrino. Yep. Eric Harper is swinging for the fence. And I I don't know what that means for Kevin Kruger going forward. What I do know is this team needs to start winning basketball games because if I'm Kevin Kruger, I'm looking at what happened with Marcus Arroyo, and I'm 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 thinking, all right, what do I need to do to make sure I'm back here next season? The biggest problem UNLV has, and and again, this this is this is a coaching thing because it's part of the game. They don't have the players. Yeah, you saw all these guys come through the portal from big schools, and I thought, wow, I'm kind of excited to see this team. But when you watch the team play... No, incohesive, and again, there is no team leader on this team, and that's the biggest problem. The one thing he forgot to get in the portal was find somebody that can lead by example, and there's nobody on this team that can do it. We're we're all on the same page. We all like Kevin. Love him. I've known Kevin since he was playing here. So, I mean... Last time they had a good team. Yeah, so, so... I mean, don't take this as me rooting against the guy. I I wish nothing but the most success because I I, I really, really like him. And and I I, I know Lon is an incredible guy, but it's about results, Brian. It's not about nothing personal. Yeah, it's it's, look. I mean, I don't know if if Eric Harper is going to give him another year. But like I said, it it, it was – and to echo what what, what Chris Wynn was saying, it's probably a position that was a little, you know, over his head. And you know that's not his fault. That's 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 the fault of of look. Marcus Royo was another guy. Desiree Reed Francois hired him. The only the, the the only jobs that Desiree Reed Francois seems to have nailed at UNLV was the volleyball coach yeah. who followed her to Missouri. Yeah, exactly. She and stole and him. and you know Lind, Lindy LaRock, who who is probably have has the most successful program on campus. So I mean, she she clearly is 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 you know doing great things with the women's basketball team. But, Brian, revenue sports, UNLV struck out for a long, big, big time. long time. And and that needs to change because I've said it before and I'll say it again. UNLV basketball right now is Holy Cross. They've got a nice banner that hangs in the gym that Nobody says they've cares. won a national championship. Anyone under the age of 30 years old, like Nobody Spencer cares. in the other room, could care he less. He wasn't even alive. No, he doesn't care. And 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 last thing I'll say about that is, Chris, you're exactly right. You know, Kevin Kruger, please, it is not personal. But I made a quote about the Detroit Lions very recently on my Facebook page and took a lot of scrutiny for it. And the quote came from Vince Lombardi. Winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. And in one more, show me a good loser, and I'll show you a loser. The bottom line is you have to win, especially, as you mentioned, at the top revenue-producing sports in college, which is football. And at UNLV, this was a basketball school. And I will emphasize and highlight and capitalize was because that's what it was. Let's move on, guys, real quickly. Uh, we'll do the old... 
Jones uh, with the Raiders. And, um, you know, Raiders season, as we all know, ended badly. And Derek Carr ended up the last two games of the season being ousted. Uh, and, and we all know he is not going to be a, a Raider again. I mean, it's not completely out of the question if he wants to come back. Where is he going to end up? Uh, guys, I don't know um, 100%, and a lot of people aren't talking about it, but some of the teams to keep in mind when you're wondering where Derek Carr is going to end up, how about the New Orleans Saints? Uh, that is a spot right now that is in need of a quarterback. Jameis Winston uh, pretty much showed some signs of life, but injuries have prevented him from capitalizing on this, and um, I, I don't see it. Uh, Dennis Allen wants somebody else. Andy Dalton is not the long-term. Taysom Hill is not the long-term answer. Derek Carr could very well end up at a place like New Orleans. He could end up at a place like Pittsburgh. You know, I know they, that there are a lot of people that like Kenny Pickett a great deal, but um, you're talking about replacing Big Ben, and that's going to be a real, real hard thing to do. It is a possibility he could go there and compete for a job. How about the Washington Commanders? I mean, this team, obviously, Carson Wentz is not the answer in Washington. And, um, you know, I, I just think, you know, Taylor Heineke, I like what he's done. He produces, but just the Washington fans themselves aren't sold in him. They could look at a guy like Derek Carr. Even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I don't see Tom Brady going back there again. And, uh, you know, it's a possibility he's got a huge relationship with the ownership there. But another place where he could end up is Tampa Bay. That's a team that's designed to win right now. And one other team, if you're looking, uh, you know, I mean, maybe maybe the Raiders somehow, some way, shape, or form, he ends up here knowing that uh, that uh, Josh McDaniel probably won't be here beyond next year unless something miraculous happens. I just don't see it. But, you know, you never know. Uh, I mean, I, I don't see this team turning around no matter who they get at the helm. And that brings, back, brings into other two uh, quarterbacks that right now are probably going to be looking for new homes or thinking about it. One of them, Aaron Rodgers. He hasn't decided if he's going to play his 19th season or not, but if he does, I'm not sure if it will be in Green Bay. And it, it's complicated because he's owed $58 million next season. Um, is he worth that? And who will pick up the tab? Plus, Aaron Rodgers made it clear he does not want a rebuilding situation. Chris, you might see Aaron Rodgers go to the Jets. They're built to win right now, and that is a team that is showing interest and has shown interest in Rodgers. Another team, obviously the Raiders, that seems to be the number one pick um, for everyone. I don't think uh, he's going to look at he's going to look at that. And then also you've got San Francisco 49ers. He's from the Bay Area. He played up the, he, lo he loves it up there. And then another team like the Tennessee Titans, all teams, but I think San Francisco's find, found their guy now in Brock Purdy. And Tennessee may be another opportunity for a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Well, you know, as a Jet fan, obviously I'd love to see Aaron Rodgers be, be with the Jets. I got my eye on Jimmy Garoppolo because I think he's probably a more long-term solution there, and I feel like he'd always have an axe to grind against the Patriots, which is always a good thing, but uh, look, Tom Brady, I, I, I've heard a couple teams floated around. I, I, I think look, we all watched that game Monday night, and I don't know who who really feels that Tom Brady is still an elite quarterback. Through sixty six passes, the most ever in a game in his career, and and <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I mean, the, the, I think the writing is on the wall for Brady. Maybe he's got one more year, and if you're a team that that feels like you're you're right there on the doorstep, maybe you make that move. But I, I, I look, if I'm the Raiders, if I'm Josh McDaniel, I want something a little more long term. I'm also looking at Jimmy Garoppolo from the Raiders. I think so too. Um, look, I, I, I mean, we've we saw. You know the the Lions 
find maybe find their quarterback. You know, I mean, look, Jared Goff. You, see, you talked about earlier, Chris, admitting you're wrong. I'm going to admit I'm wrong, at least for this season. Jared Goff, Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, these guys have impressed the They're, hell out of me. And, and when trade. I see people talking about the Lions as, as a potential Super Bowl team, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a Lions fan, but I've been there with the Jets, and it was a long, long, long time ago. But look, I, I, I mean, this is going to be a really fun offseason in the NFL. The the offseason is now coming to, where, where, like with the NBA, where I feel like the offseason is better than the regular season in the NBA. I don't think we're going to get that in the NFL, but the offseason certainly has become a lot more interesting because there's a lot of teams on the doorstep that feel like they're, look, the Jets are a quarterback away. They are, Mike White's not the answer. Zach Wilson certainly doesn't appear to be the answer. I don't want Derek Carr. I like Derek. I think he's a great guy, great human being. I saw him talking at a church last week on television. And, and you know, I'm not a religious guy, but I, I, I look at Derek Carr and think he, he's an amazing human being. He's got a, a, we talked about Tamar Hamlin, a guy who maybe has things bigger than football. I think Derek Carr is one of those guys also has things bigger in football in his life ahead of him. But, I, I I look Aaron Rodgers. If you told me if the Jets were able to get Aaron Rodgers and it meant they would win one Super Bowl and then they would go one and fifteen for the next fifty years, sign me the hell up for that. I don't I don't care. That's I just want, want one. That, hey, I just want, want one. Brian. We want one in Detroit. The biggest issue for the Raiders this offseason, I think, finding a way to make sure that they're able to re-sign Josh Jacobs. He had a great year last year. His I think market they franchise values, him. His, I agree with you. His market value is going to be huge. He needs to get like $13 million a year. That's how good he is for maybe three more years. I'm, I'm franchising uh, him. And, yeah, and you know what? Prove it to me again. Yep, I agree. No, I agree with you 100%. And finally, uh, 49ers, 11-0 um, and 0 since getting Christian McCaffrey, they take the field today, the later game against the Cowboys. It's the ninth time in the playoffs they've played each other, tied for the most between two teams all time. Expect a hell of a game up there. The thing that scares me the most about those games for you laying money on this game is why are the Niners only a four-point favorite? I think they're not giving Brock Purdy enough respect. 6-0 and doesn't mean anything to them. They think that they looked at a game last week against a really bad Tampa Bay team, and they're thinking this Dallas defense is for real, and Dak Prescott has it together right now. I see 49ers winning this game. I just think it's going to be closer than that. And the Bengals-Bills, I mean, how can you beat that game? That's the game and the matchup of the year. Looking really forward to that one. I like Cincinnati keeping it close, but I think the Bills are going to remember what happened last year, and I think I think Buffalo comes out of this, and that's going to bode well for um, you know for the Kansas City Chiefs playing indoors. If that game will be on a neutral field in Georgia, which I think for Patrick Mahomes and that ankle indoors will do him very well, as much as they like that game at home. Listen, we're out of time. So much to talk about. We'll be back next week. Want to thank Chris Wynn for joining us. So greatly appreciate you, Chris. Of course, Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski putting it all together for us, and producer Chris Magnum Chapman. I'm Brian Feldman. This is Out of Line every Sunday, eight to nine. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.